This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Aries. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And uh, today we've got sort of a special episode for you. It's about ice cream sundaes. It's a little different. Uh-huh. We're going to present it as sort of a trial. Yeah. Our first Food Stuff trial. I hope there's a lot of law and order sound effects. Oh, yeah. Can we do that? <laughs> I actually never seen law and order, but I know the sound effect. But That's all we need. You did it right there. Yeah. Just make that occasionally. <laughs> Pick your pick your spots, but okay. I think it'll really add to it. Uh, so so surely people were topping their ice cream with like stuff, yeah. Before the ice cream sundae became a whole thing, surely it just makes sense, really. Oh yeah, I mean ice cream is delicious. Other stuff is delicious. Put them together, easy as pie. There's no problem. But ice cream, <laughs> easy as pie a la mode. Um, <laughs> But a Sunday is something specific. It is. Which brings us to our question. What is it? <laughs> well, I would say. Okay, this is Lauren's opinion. <laughs> okay, I, I would say that an ice cream Sunday requires at least two scoops of ice cream. Okay. If it's scooped. If not, then I guess that just goes right out the window. Soft <laughs> serve. Anyway, um, two scoops of ice cream, some kind of sweet syrup or, or other like liquid sauce, like hot fudge as a topping. And then... A second kind of topping for, like, texture or just punctuation, like sprinkles or chopped nuts or, like, a maraschino cherry on top, you mm-hmm. know? Um, some people, like Dairy Queen, would assert that you don't need anything after that that liquid 
topping. Really? For it to be a sundae, their base sundae is just ice cream and liquid topping. Oh. Everything else costs extra. I see. Um, but anyway. <laughs> You're not mad about that at all. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I just don't think that it's a sundae unless it has two distinct toppings. Okay. I see. Okay. But anyway, after those basic needs are met, uh, you've got a lot of room for possibilities. You know, whipped cream, candy of whatever kind, whole or chopped, uh, fresh fruit, fruit compote, that chocolate sauce that, you know, hardens when it hits the ice cream. Oh, I kind of love that stuff even though it creeps me out. (laughs) Don't we all love foods that are just kind of creepy when we think about them? (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) As you can imagine, we humans add all sorts of toppings to sundaes these days from fries— in Japan, to bacon. Uh, <laughs> and we also make huge ones like the Great Pyramid from Cabot's Ice Cream in Massachusetts. It comes in a bowl, almost two feet in diameter, loaded with 60 pints of ice cream. Pints? 60 pints? 60 pints and 12 quarts of toppings. Oh, my goodness. And on top of those toppings, you add what I would call other toppings, but they don't. Uh, whipped cream, nuts, marshmallows, and a cherry on top. And allegedly, it serves you... And 174 of your pals. Oh, wow. I don't have 174 friends, I don't think. Not that I want to eat a single bowl of ice cream with. (laughs) I'm going to get multiple bowls if I got this thing. I'm just going to be straight with everybody. I've shared a a very large ice cream sundae with maybe like six of my friends. Uh There was a place that we went to in high school down by the beach that had very large sundaes, but... And I felt fancy as heck the time that that happened. That sounds very fancy. That's it, like, That sounds like something I've only seen in movies. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. I well. did not wear my bobby socks, but I nonetheless <laughs> felt, yes. Uh, technically, banana splits and parfaits, stuff like that, are also sundays. It's sort of like a square rhombus kind of situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Nutrition-wise? Um, they're like the epitome of a treat. <laughs> I mean, if you think about their name, we're going to get into this in a little bit. Sunday. It's something special. One day a week. One day I a wish week? I had known that. I wish I had thought of that as a kid and I could have made that argument better. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> uh, it, it does depend highly on what kind of ice cream and toppings you involve there. It's Your mileage will definitely vary. It's true. My, my go-to at DQ, Dairy Queen, was hot fudge sundae, hot fudge sauce, and pecans. That was it. Ooh. And you nice. know, simple. Simple. I like a crunch. Yeah. But remember when we got that frozen yogurt and I put every topping on it? Every single one. I'm still upset about it. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> do we have we have some numbers? We do. We do. Oh, we have a bunch of delightful numbers. Um, so, okay, according to a Yahoo survey of about 1,000 representative Americans over the age of uh, 13, or 13 and over, anyway, um, I- ice cream is America's favorite dessert. And 21% of us prefer it to be in Sunday format. Huh. Mm-hmm. As of 2015, the Guinness World Record for the largest ice cream sundae was made in Canada. It weighed 24.91 metric tons. Oh. That's almost 55,000 pounds. About four and a half tons of that was syrup. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and according to Guinness, it looked, quote, not unlike a dairy-based tribute to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Sunday the Hutt. And, <laughs> and they were not lying. It kind of did like a pink, pink Jabba the Hutt. 
Uh, Guinness also reports a record for the longest ever ice cream dessert, a sundae made in Texas with about 800 gallons of ice cream, uh, 2,000 cans of whipped cream, 25 pounds of sprinkles, and 20,000 cherries. It stretched almost uh, 1,400 meters in length. That's about 4,500 feet. (laughs) I had an aunt that told me, and I think we've done a Brain Stuff episode about this, that dairy products gave you nightmares. Oh. And she used to tell me if I ate too much ice cream, I'd have bad dreams, I think, because she just didn't want me to eat ice cream at, like, 10 p.m. <laughs> but can you imagine the bad dreams you'd have if you had <laughs> this much ice cream? It, it served a lot of people. Oh, I hope so. I, I imagine you'd die if you tried to. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That's not – no. Mm-mm. Um, Oh, uh, Guinness's most expensive dessert on record is also an ice cream sundae, um, a chocolate sundae offered for $25,000 at a New York City restaurant in 2007. Um, It included a blend of 28 premium cocos and a golden spoon encrusted with diamonds that was the buyer's to keep. Well, (laughs) I guess uh, different strokes for different folks. Uh, and apparently ice cream sundaes are quite posh in New York City this year. Uh, just in April, food writer Pete Wells published an article in The New Yorker titled, The Ice Cream Sunday Must Be Stopped. <laughs> uh, it complained that, like, nostalgic ice cream sundaes at restaurants are generally as insipid as they are ubiquitous. Ooh. He was, he was real, real mad at them. Huh. It's interesting because, to me, I don't. Uh, like, if I'm at an ice cream restaurant, I mm-hmm. don't order the sundae. But I do get ice cream with two toppings, which is just in my head. I don't think of it as a sundae. But I guess it is. Yeah. I think that, yeah, if, if I'm going to order ice cream from an ice cream place, I definitely get a liquid topping and then a crunchy topping for texture. Yeah. I, oh, I'm going to have to reevaluate <laughs> <laughs> my sundae definition. Oh. Okay. Questioning well, things. Yeah. But this is an episode of Many Questions. It is. Uh-huh. It is. And uh, we're going to get into that after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. 
This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So now our trial begins. Yes. Yes. Because the ice cream sundae is the source of much contention. Oh, yeah. People fight over it. There are songs like fight songs. There are official legal documents in what has been dubbed the Sunday Wars. <laughs> 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 the name is a source of debate, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, yes. Like like why it's called a Sunday? That's correct, Lauren. Why it's spelled with that E instead of a Y? Yes. Or yes. sometimes with an I? You monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the name. There's a popular, possibly apocryphal story is that the blue laws here in the States, and these are laws prohibiting certain activities on Sundays for religious reasons, did not allow for ice cream sodas on Sundays because of their, and this is a a quote in a document somewhere, frilliness. (laughs) (laughs) No frilliness on Sundays. No, no. Clergy preached against, quote, sucking soda on the Sabbath and any day, really, but especially on the Sabbath. So the Sunday with an E, along with names like the Sunday, S-U-N-D-I, and Sunday, S-O-N-D-H-I, were used to maybe lessen the angry response from the religious community who might not appreciate this luxurious treat being named after their holy day. Oh, I see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> In 1945, a famous newspaper columnist by the name of H.L. Mencken published a book called The American Language Supplement One. It included an entry about the suffix day, D-A-E, which read, quote, 
Most plausible of their theories ascribes the introduction of the Sunday itself to George Hallower of Marshall, Illinois, and the invention of its name to George Giffy or Jiffy of Manitowoc, Wisconsin. He also alleged that the origins of the Sunday in Wisconsin came before all other origin stories, which he probably heard this story in Wisconsin. And this was a shot fired in the Sunday Wars. Oh, yes. Because people are serious about their origin stories of the Sunday. They are so serious. Deadly serious. <laughs> no, no. Perhaps not that serious. Maybe not deadly, but quite serious. Quite, quite serious. Three towns claim to be the home of the first ice cream Sunday, although one of those is more technical. Um, and we present before you... The evidence. You must decide for yourself. Dun-dun. Yes. <laughs> All right. Origin story one. Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Current population, 2,000. First. All right. In 1881, George Hallower walked into Ed Berner's ice cream parlor and asked the owner, Edward Berner's, for an ice cream soda. One problem, though. It was a Sunday. Sunday the day? Sunday the day. Oh, no, you can't drink a soda on a Sunday. That's right, Lauren, you can't. <laughs> Undeterred, Mr. Berners came up with a solution. A dish full of ice cream topped with chocolate syrup. This was unique because at the time, chocolate syrup was reserved for making flavored ice cream sodas. Hallower and Berners both were impressed with this treat, and Berners made it a special at his store for the price of one nickel. The dessert was a huge hit. Not too much evidence exists to back this up, though. One thing the town likes to bring up is a 1929 interview published in the Two Rivers Reporter newspaper with Edward Berners. In the article, Berners describes how the Sunday came to be, allegedly. <laughs> Quote, one night, Hallower dropped in and ordered a dish of ice cream. As I was serving it, he spied a bottle of chocolate syrup on the back bar, which I used for making sodas. Why don't you put some of that chocolate on an ice cream, he asked. You don't want to ruin the flavor of the ice cream, I protested. But Hallower answered, I'll try anything once. And I poured on the <laughs> chocolate. Hallower liked it, and the ice cream sundae was born. Twist, though. Oh, no. Yeah, there are a lot of twists in this episode. I hope you're prepared. In 1881, which is when Berners claims this went down, he would have been 18 years old, which is a bit young to own your own store. Oh, hmm. I see. <laughs> Even his obituary acknowledged that he, quote, claimed to be the originator of the ice cream sundae. The Wisconsin State Historical Society, though, does not have any such doubt. <laughs> they officially recognized Two Rivers as the home of the first Sunday. A plaque was put up in 1973 to make clear to any who would dare question that Two Rivers is, in fact, the true birthplace of the ice cream Sunday. Quote, in 1881, George Hallower asked Edward C. Burner, the owner of a soda fountain at 1404 15th Street, to top a dish of ice cream with chocolate syrup, <laughs> with chocolate sauce, hitherto used only for ice cream sodas. The concoction cost a nickel and soon became very popular, but was sold only on Sundays. One day, a 10-year-old girl insisted she have a dish of ice cream with that stuff on top, saying they could 
pretend it was Sunday. <laughs> After that, the confection was sold every day in many flavors. It lost its Sunday-only association to be called, in all caps, ICE CREAM SUNDAY, when a glassware <laughs> salesman placed an order with his company for the long canoe-shaped dishes in which it was served as Sunday dishes. And there you have it. That's pretty... That's legit, but it also it, bold. You, it uses cap, caps lock. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what's legit outside of the use of caps lock. Who knows? It's very serious indeed. Visitors to the town can also visit a replica of Ed Berner's ice cream parlor at the Washington House Hotel Museum. And as always, listeners, if you have been there. Oh, please send pictures. Please, always. please, please, please. Yeah. Depending on the source, Manitowoc, Wisconsin might come up in this origin story as well, as mentioned in that Mencken piece we talked about at the top. Manitowoc competitor of Burner's George Jiffy, or Giffy, started serving the same ice cream treat. However, he thought five cents was too cheap, so he sold it only on Sundays. And because of that fact, it started to be known as the Sunday. The profits became too good to sell only once a week, so he changed the name to Sunday with an E and sold it on any old day. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's so that's our so that's our first origin story. That, yep. Okay. We've got a competitor. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that competitor is Ithaca, New York. Current population uh, thirty thousand seven hundred and fifty six. So a bit bigger than Two Rivers. A little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. <laughs> um, this is a city that's uh, up in the western bit of New York State in the Finger Lakes region. It's right on uh, Cuyahoga Lake. And Cornell University lives here. It lived there back when Ithaca's story about the ice cream sundae began. Mm -hmm. They claim to have such detailed documentation that they can nearly pinpoint the hour that the first sundae was served. Ooh, uh-oh. Uh-huh. So, it's April 3rd, 1892. It's a sundae. The reverend of the local Unitarian Church, one John M. Scott, visited the Platt and Colt Pharmacy after services. Uh, this was a common occurrence. Mr. Platt, that's Chester C. Platt, for your information, was the church's treasurer. So, uh, so they often met up after services to talk about stuff. Uh, Platt had his fountain clerk scoop them up two bowls of vanilla ice cream. And then Platt stopped and hmm. topped each with cherry syrup and a candied cherry. Oh. And uh, Platt and Scott found the result so tasty and so attractive, they decided to name the dish. They were like, this has to have a name. It's got to. Yeah. And Scott suggested that they name it for the day that it was created, the Cherry Sunday. Ah. Two days later, an ad ran in the Ithaca Daily Journal for a Cherry Sunday, a new 10-cent ice cream novelty served only at Platt and Colt's famous day and night soda fountain. <laughs> they really didn't waste any time on selling that. No. Wow. Immediately, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like place the ad the next day, runs the day after that. <laughs> yeah. And this tale has its own Depression-era corroboration. In 1936, apparently having read newspaper articles with other origins of the Sunday, the clerk from Platt & Colt who was there that day, uh, Mr. DeForest Christians, uh, wrote into an Ithaca historian with his version of the tale as told above. So, intrigue. Yes. Sunday intrigue. Mm -hmm. But we have another we have another claim. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and this one comes to us from Evanston, Illinois. Current population, 74,895. And this is where Northwestern University is, which a good friend of mine went to 
And I visited her a lot. So I, I have been to Evanston, Illinois. Okay. Have you had a Sunday there? Oh, I did. <laughs> it was peanut butter Reese's cup topped oh, and man. whipped cream. And I have a picture of me eating it. And I look so happy. <laughs> I look so happy. You look happy just thinking about it. <laughs> I, I am. Towards the end, though, I was not as happy because oh. it was quite sweet. Um, <laughs> but, yes, very enjoyable. So this is the one that I mentioned is more technical. Um, they could have been a contender. <laughs> um, they don't really claim to be the creator of the Sunday the Thing, but they do claim ownership of the name Ice Cream Sunday. Okay. That they say they coined in the 1890s. At the time, Evanston was not Evanston, but Chicago's heaven or Heavenstown. Heavenstown was not heaven, though, at least not for soda lovers. Oh. They led the charge when it came to outlawing the Sunday Soda Menace, as, <laughs> as they called it. As the name might suggest, they were pretty religious in Heavenstown. They had an ordinance on the books making the sale of ice cream sodas against the rules, we'll say, on Sunday. Garwood's Drugstore came up with a workaround, selling an ice cream soda without the soda on Sundays. So just the ice cream and the syrup, a.k.a. a Sunday. The local Christian Women's Temperance Union okayed it, saying it was better than alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. 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 But that's not all. Oh, no. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Because <laughs> we have origin story four through eight and plus even more. Buffalo, Cleveland, New Orleans, and many other cities also say that they invented the Sunday. But until they present more evidence, they're going to have to take a back seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of evidence, we have some. Oh, yeah. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. culture. And a little bit of... 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Our first bit of evidence comes to us from the Two Rivers City Council, and they released a resolution in 2006 titled, Resolution Formally Challenging the City of Ithaca, New York's Claim to be, quote, birthplace of the ice cream sundae. <laughs> this is this is a legal resolution. It is. It was, I think, mostly in good fun. I think mostly. But they, like... They, like, sent it to the mayor of Ithaca. (laughs) They did. They did indeed. And as it is beautiful, we're going to read a few excerpts from it. Yeah, and I just want you to keep in mind that we we trimmed this down quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, this is not the entire thing. (laughs) No, no. It went on far longer, far longer. Whereas... It is only fitting and proper that the coolest city in America's Dairyland be afforded sole possession of this title. And whereas it has recently come to our attention that Ithaca, New York, not content with just promoting its status as home to one of America's great universities in the Finger Lakes region of beautiful upstate New York, has once again dusted off its claim to be birthplace of the ice cream sundae. Whereas... Ithaca's experience with ice cream sundaes is of relatively recent vintage, dating to Chester Platt's fabrication of a cherry sundae at his drugstore soda fountain in 1892, a full 11 years after Ed Berner's sundaes began broadening children's smiles and adults' waistlines in our community on the shore of Lake Michigan. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the city of Two Rivers reasserts its status as the birthplace of the ice cream sundae. Be it further resolved that the city of Ithaca is hereby directed to cease and desist from its continued claims of being birthplace of the ice cream sundae, lest the city of Two Rivers be forced to take further action to set the historical record straight. 
and be it further resolved that the good citizens of Ithaca are urged to henceforth direct their energies to more appropriate pursuits, like cheering on the athletic teams of Cornell University and celebrating the beauty of the Finger Lakes region while leaving ice cream sundaes to the town that knows them best, Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Whew. <laughs> they are not joking around. Zero percent. Uh, it's beautifully pinned. It is. It is. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't have written that. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't have the legal wherewithal. I, <laughs> but Ithaca did not take this lying down. <laughs> the next year, in two thousand seven, two Ithaca High School seniors interning at the History Center in Tompkins County spent six months scouring documents to prove that Ithaca is the rightful heir to the Sunday throne. Their search brought out several relevant pieces of information. Yes. Exhibit A, the ad published on April 5th, 1892, in the Ithaca Daily Journal. This is the oldest record of the ice cream sundae that we know of. And Exhibit A1, uh, because there's, there's another ad a couple months later from May 28th, 1892 for a strawberry sundae made and served exactly right at the soda fountain of Platt and Colt. <laughs> exactly right indeed. <laughs> Exhibit B, a brief from the Ithaca Daily Journal's Town Talk section, published April 11, 1892. This confirms the date, time, location, and ingredients of the cherry sundae. Exhibit C, uh, the original Platten Cult Pharmacy ledger books found buried in the archives of Cornell University. Uh, these ledgers indicate that the pharmacy had all the makings for their cherry sundae by the early 1890s and also back up uh, Christensen's, uh, the, the store clerk's story concerning the dates of his employment at the pharmacy. Exhibit D. The letter written by DeForest Christians in 1936 found in the archives of the History Center in Tompkins County. In it, Christians also said that the Sunday was popular with Cornell students and that it must have spread to other places when they went home for the holidays or graduated and moved away. And Exhibit E. A letter from one William Henderson, a Washington, D.C. trademark attorney, a two-platin cult pharmacy dated 1894. The letter confirms that the Sunday not only existed at the pharmacy by 1894, but had reached a level of popularity that Platt and Colt were seeking a national trademark. Um, they did not get the trademark, but a decade later, Sundays would be available around the world. And the, the issue with the trademark was this. Um, at a national level, you, you needed an internationally traded product in order to procure a trademark. So the attorney who, who wrote the letter suggested the Platt and Colt contact instead a New York State Department about local protections. And you might be thinking, in the face of all of this documentation and evidence, two rivers might bow out. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. In, fa in fact, they, uh, well, hmm. Basically, their response was, uh, maybe it did happen, but you can't prove it didn't. <laughs> if I had to sum it up. <laughs> 100 residents of Two Rivers sent the mayor of Ithaca postcards, including one from the ghost of Ed Berners himself. Ah. Or that's what they had just read anyway. <laughs> the mayor also received a DVD containing um, a Sunday fight song performed by the proud people of Two Rivers. Uh, it's to the tune of Wisconsin State's fight song called On Wisconsin, 
and the excellent podcast uh, Food Nonfiction. Uh, it's, it's a terrific show on the Radio Public Network. Also has an episode about this whole Sunday fight thing, and they tracked down a copy of this recording. <laughs> rivers in Wisconsin, history was made. And our pride in that first Sunday, it will never fade. Made right here by old Ed Berners, 1881. Now we celebrate that Sunday and have lots of fun. Others try to claim the Sunday started in their towns, but the story of our Sunday turns smiles into frowns. Topped with chocolate or with cherries and with lots of nuts. Try to claim our Sunday and we'll kick you in your butts. Whoa! (laughs) It takes a turn there. It really did. It was all <laughs> happiness and smiles and then kicking your butt. That sounds like Wisconsin. My my ex is uh, he was from Wisconsin, so I've been several times. Uh-huh. And I, he actually uh, was the one that got me turned on to this whole Sunday debate because he has been <laughs> to to rivers. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He did a report on it in elementary school. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> But Ithaca didn't back down from this either. No. Nope. In response, they penned their own Sunday fight song called Two Rivers Police. <laughs> um, and this one is sung to the tune of Moon River, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> yes. And they um, mentioned this on their tourism website, just by the way. They have the, this excerpt. Two rivers, why live in denial? The story you compile won't play. Your sign maker, a truth faker. Without Sunday proof, your claim's melting away. <laughs> Ed Burner's off to fool the world. There's such a lot of fools you see. Though sometimes the truth may offend, still you can pretend. My sweet Wisconsin friend. Two rivers, please. <laughs> so we'll enter that into the, into the evidence. <laughs> yep. Two songs, two Sunday <laughs> fight songs. Oh, um, and yeah, so, I mean, verdict? The Sunday war wages on. I don't know that it will ever come to an end. Ooh, what if they had a big ice cream food fight? Oh, that sounds extremely messy. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Annie, Annie has a twinkle in her eye, you guys. <laughs> I want to be like some kind of officiator or judge of this. <laughs> Um, this one was a lot of fun to do. It also let us practice and, uh, I guess, demonstrate to everyone why we aren't lawyers. Oh, yeah, no, certainly. That's not, no, no, not that organized. No, but we did have fun dramatically reading court documents about the ice Oh, yeah, if anyone ever wants that to happen, let us know. Yeah, Nobody wants that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but please let us know where you stand on this ice cream sundae debate. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, it sounds like one of those like like zeitgeist things that kind mm-hmm. of just like kind of like came up out of, you know, the, the the human consciousness around that time. People had ice cream. They had syrups. They put them together. They were delicious. 
It's true. But it but but Ithaca, I think it's I don't know. <laughs> oh no, the two rivers people are gonna send us a DVD. <laughs> Actually I would love that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I would love that. Right. Oh sounds so delightful. It does. And speaking of sending us things, it's time for listener, listener mail. It's a cherry on top. Oh Yeah. <laughs> All right. Emily Ray wrote, I just wanted to share a lovely and strange story about maraschino cherries since the episode on them just came out. My family is full of pranksters. Hmm. If you jokingly ask them for something, it'd be no surprise if you got it for your next birthday or gift-giving holiday. For some reason, I was really craving a maraschino cherry one day. I exclaimed to my fiancé, just get me a huge jar of them for Christmas and nothing else. (laughs) And when we got back to college from our winter break, I was surprised with a huge glass jar full of them. (laughs) He had opened tons of the little jars to make it for me. He had me open the jar, and taped to the lid was an engagement ring. It was so beautiful and so us. It took forever to get through those things. (laughs) That's pretty wonderful. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, thanks for sending that. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, Elena wrote about our pepperoni episode. I was surprised to find out that it was an American invention, though not really surprised since I love Italian food but dislike pepperoni. Pepperoni rolls are very popular in Pittsburgh. Every pizza shop and gas station has them. The way they came to be reminded me of a Pittsburgh sandwich with a similar history. Back in the 1930s, Pittsburgh was a big industrial city with a lot of workers and truck drivers who delivered supplies to the mills and warehouses. A restaurant named Primanti Brothers was open at very early morning hours to serve those workers food. The sandwich had two thick slices of white bread, meat of choice, uh, bologna, roast beef, etc., coleslaw, a thick tomato slice, and french fries. The owners put the fries directly on the sandwich so the drivers could have a whole meal in one hand. Over the years, the restaurant grew, opened multiple locations throughout the region, but the sandwich stayed the same. It is huge and served on wax paper, a treat for visitors of all walks of life from regular tourists to celebrities to President Obama. The original location is still there and open 24-7, making it hugely popular for the after-club bar crowd. Putting fries on the sandwich created a little tradition in the city. You can find fries on sandwiches, burgers, pizza, and even salads in a lot of places in Pittsburgh. It is an interesting fact for your future French fries episode. There is going to be a French fries episode, right? 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 Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's my um, my, my father, uh, who, who lived in Ohio and Pennsylvania for a number of years, Um it definitely, like any time that he could find a deli or a sandwich shop that would put French fries on a sandwich, he was the happiest about it. <laughs> he would be like, "We have to go to this place in South Beach. They put French fries on their sandwiches." I was like, "You could just order them." That I mean, you could. <laughs> I was like, "Dad, you can do this yourself," and he was like, "It's not the same. <laughs> they know how to do it right." <laughs> I've never tried this, and I am determined to. She sent pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. It's important that they're shoestring fries, according oh. to me, because like that way, like you you get like maximum crisp, Ooh. Um, and not like like the mealiness of mm-hmm. French fries, which I usually enjoy. It's a whole thing. If I see a salad with French fries, I'm gonna scoff and then probably order it. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so thanks to both of them for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw. Also over on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. There are some changes coming your way. 
on I mean probably in in life in general I mean I I mean I I don't know I don't know your life but but certainly here on food stuff we're we're, um, we're gearing up for some really fun and interesting things when I say it that way it probably sounds like the opposite of fun and interesting but <laughs> well I think in ep- like the Sunday wars you never know <laughs> but it's good it's a good it's like a Sunday yeah yeah so don't don't be startled and stick with us. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Thank you to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.